Our scripture lesson this morning is found in the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter. We're going to be reading the first through the thirteenth verses. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory. For it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him, until an opportune time. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Talking in the children's sermon, we've already talked about what and what temptation is. It's an enticement or a seduction to pull someone into something evil. Or it's an enticement or seduction to do something that's not in keeping with God's will. And in Jesus' case, all three temptations were geared toward obtaining something God wanted Jesus to have, but obtaining it in ways that are not in keeping with God's plan. God was going to be giving Jesus all the uh, kingdoms of the world. And Satan says, we can shortcut this cross stuff and I'll just go ahead and give them to you now. Just nobody's around. Nobody's looking. Just worship me. Just get out on your knees and worship me. And you can skip the cross. Everything will be cool. Jesus didn't fall for it because God had a plan and this would have gone against God's will. Only the Lord should we worship. And then he showed him other things, but the the temptations were all they had to do with his physical needs, his uh, emotional needs, and his psychological needs. And uh, I have seen so many people uh, know that God wanted them to have things, but then went about getting them the wrong way. I've known of uh, young women who knew that God wanted them taken care of 
and we had the opportunity to live with a man out of wedlock, they chose to do that. And then, and I've had them tell me, God just put this person here in my life to take care of me. That's not the way it works. That's exactly what we're talking about. Yes, God wanted her needs met. He wanted her physical needs met. He wanted her uh, other needs met. But you don't go about getting your needs met on your own in a sinful way. You seek God about how he wants those needs met. And so uh, uh, I want you to back back up and, and say that I want you to get the context here. Jesus, 40 days before, had been baptized. And when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And his heavenly father spoke from heaven and said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so here at the end of the 40 days, Satan's trying to throw doubt on what God has already assured him of in his heart. And uh, he says, if you are the son of God, like prove it to me, or maybe he was trying to cast some doubt into Jesus' mind, which he could not do. But uh, the thing is, he tried. You see, Jesus didn't have to prove anything to Satan. His heavenly father had already told him, you are my son. You are my beloved son, and I am pleased with you. Jesus didn't have to prove anything to Satan, but Satan's tempting gave Jesus an opportunity to prove to the world, to Satan, and to us that he truly was the Son of God and uh, that uh, he has been tempted in every way that he can be tempted and yet remained without sin. In Hebrews 4.15 and Hebrews 2.18 show us that it's because he was tempted and did not sin that he can be the best high priest that we could ever have. One that's experienced every temptation that we could have and hasn't given into it is the one that went to the cross And the priest became the offering for us, gave his own blood to take care of our sins. And so Satan meant this for evil, trying to destroy Jesus' ministry, trying to uh, destroy his credibility, trying to take away from him the opportunity to be the savior of the world. Satan meant it for evil. But the Lord used it for good. Yes, his temptation was a a test, but it was a test to prove something. Uh, I'll give you an example of what this is all about. As the Union Pacific Railroad was being uh, built, they built an elaborate trestle bridge across a large canyon out west. And after it was finished, the builder loaded a train with uh, uh, double the weight of a normal payload, 
twice as much as any train would ever be carrying across this trestle. And he took that train and he drove it out to where it was right in the middle of this trestle, of this, uh, this bridge. And then he left it there all day long. Now, one of the workers asked him, are you trying to break this bridge? And the builder responded, no, I'm proving that the bridge will not break. You see, that's what happened whenever uh, he went in and was tested by Satan. It proved to Satan and it proved to us that Jesus will not break when it comes to sin. See, although Satan designed the temptations to cause Jesus to sin, Jesus used them to hold up that he was the sinless son of God, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world for your sin and for mine. So how about our temptations? You know, uh, I'll tell you the, the normal temptation message that you hear is Jesus went into the wilderness and Jesus was tempted and Jesus did not give in to temptation. Be like Jesus. That's the normal Lenten message, isn't it? Be like Jesus. Don't give in. So what if you do give in? What if you try and you fail? Well, the rest of the message goes, then just try harder. Isn't that the way it goes? That's the normal Lenten message. And so uh, Satan wants to destroy you. And it is in our temptations that you meet him face to face. And you have the opportunity, just like Jesus, to prove whose you are, who you are, and what you are. Every temptation that you face gives you an opportunity to glorify the Lord in your heart. When we say, hallowed be thy name, remember what I said a few weeks ago, many of us in our hearts, what we really say is hallowed be my name. But this is the opportunity, just like Jesus uh, knew God's will. He knew what to do. He knew what not to do. So we study his word and we learn his will and we do our best to do it. But Satan will come and you will meet him face to face in your heart and your temptations. I remember, oh man, it's whenever you're down that he really comes at you. Whenever he finds your weakest point and just comes right at it. When we, the Lord called me into the ministry and he called Sharon right along with me. And we just chucked it all and headed off to Dallas. Sharon got a full-time job and I got a part-time job to help make, make ends meet. Working at a 7-Eleven. Uh, here was somebody that you never know who's behind the counter at a 7-Eleven or a convenience store. Here I had sat in meetings with the vice presidents and attorneys of Gulf Oil Company and uh, uh, negotiated with them. I had eaten in the executive lounge at the Tinoco building and well, been to all this stuff and knew all these people. And the thing is, here I was, hand to mouth, 
trying to keep because we it took everything we had to get together and for me to go to seminary there in Dallas. And uh, we were just trying to make ends ends meet and take care of our two kids at that point in time. We had one child while I was in at A and M. We had another while well, we were at A and M. We had another child whenever I was. Uh, we'll see when I was working in the insurance claims profession. Had another child while I was in seminary. And then had another child after we got out of seminary. So, and so that's why they're stretched out for 12 years. So anyway, the thing is, is that uh, I'm there. We need money to eat. And so I'm there and nobody else is in the, in the store. And there's a shady character that came in and everybody told me, watch out for him. He just got out of prison about three weeks ago and uh, he's not a good guy watch out for him. He came in, he got a candy bar and he could put it there on the counter and he looked around and he said, why don't we split the money? And uh, I said, what money? The money that's in the cash register. Nobody's around. Nobody will know. And uh, you, we can just split the money and then you call the police and you tell the police that you were robbed and I'll be your witness and you'll be my witness and we'll get off scot-free. Perfect crime. And it was like Satan himself had just showed up on the other side of that counter. And I very politely explained to him that I didn't think that would be very pleasing to the Lord, which kind of he didn't like hearing that. But the thing is, you see, it was like I mean, you could just sense the evil in that moment, I was, I could use the money, but what good would the money do if it sullied my entire ministry and walk with the Lord from that moment on? And what does the Lord say? He who saves his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. The Lord provided for us. We were just fine. Sometimes we didn't know if we were going to be just fine, but we were just fine all the way through. So uh, our temptations put us in a place of opportunity, opportunity to show whose we are. Now, remember what, our, what uh, the Heavenly Father told Jesus right after his baptism? He said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Do you remember when you were saved? Do you remember what you felt from the Lord at that moment when you realized that there was a place on the cross for your sin and that uh, he loved you so much that he died for you because he knew you were going to mess up? He paid the price in advance even. Do you realize how, do you remember how wonderfully clean and how you felt beloved? And the Lord just spoke to your heart. You are my beloved child and in you I am well pleased. With me, he started saying, now take all those masks off so people can see the real you. And there are a lot of people that go around pretending to be people that they're not. So the thing is, he says, you are my beloved child. 
And you know what? You're still his beloved child today. That's what the Lord thinks of you. Now, let's uh, contrast uh, what a whole lot of people believe about themselves with what the Lord says about you. You are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. God doesn't make any junk. No matter where you come from, no matter how you feel about yourself, he is re- re- well pleased in the real you. Now, uh, here's what a lot of people think about themselves. I am a bad and unworthy person. If other people really knew the real me, they wouldn't like me. Because of that, I can't depend on others to get my needs met. So I'm going to have to take care of my needs myself. And then you can feel whatever sin or whatever need in your life into this next part. Alcohol, sex, success, approval, love, uh, uh, just all sorts of things. Whatever it is, the opinion of other people, whatever it is that causes you to sin, to hide the real you from other people, that is my most important need. Now, one now then one time, whatever I was counseling, I was counseling a gentleman who was a rageaholic. The people, sometimes people get addicted to rage. They find the release that they get from all the adrenaline from working something like that up. It's just a high for them. And they, they, they use it or they do it. They, they look for things to get enraged about. This is where you see road rage and stuff like that coming from lots of different things. But he was addicted to rage. And I went through this faulty belief system. I'm a bad, unworthy person. If other people really knew me, they wouldn't really like me. And uh, then as I went through this, all of a sudden, the gentleman's wife was sitting there by him. And she started crying. And she said, you're talking about me. And yes, I was. And I was talking to her about a whole lot of people that sit in church pews all around the world that have this faulty belief system where they just haven't realized that you are a loved child of God and he takes delight in you. And some people spend their whole lives trying to hide who they really are And in the process of doing so, they sin through deceit and things like that and keep the real them that the Lord delights in from being manifest to the world. So uh, he wants you to know that you are his beloved child, that he is pleased with the real you, and he wants to help you to tear down the walls and be free to really be you without being worried about what everybody thinks around you and what everybody thinks about this and everybody thinks, and all these different things. He wants you to be just able to be you. So today I want to give you a different uh, perspective on temptation. I've told you the classic perception, perception. Jesus was tempted. Jesus didn't give in. Be like Jesus. Don't give in. 
If you do, if you mess up, then try harder. But the thing is, Satan wants to kill and to steal and to destroy from you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your witness. He wants to destroy your relationships. He wants to destroy everything around you. He wants to isolate you and cause you to stay within yourself. When Jesus came out of the wilderness, you know, remember his first message whenever he went to his hometown? It's in Luke, the fourth chapter, the 18th through the 21st verses and that's Luke, uh, you know, four eighteen through twenty one. And we'll begin with verse seventeen. And he took the prophet of Isaiah, and it was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight." to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He went from baptism, where he was filled with the Holy Spirit, through the temptation in the wilderness for 40 days, and then he goes to Nazareth, and he proclaims his ministry to the world. And he could do it confidently, because he had proved to himself who he was. Now, the thing is, I want to ask you, during your Lenten time, to allow the Lord to use your temptation. Don't just reel from it. Look at it. Understand what's really going on in your heart. And during this Lenten season, I encourage you to look at what tempts you. What causes you to stumble and fall? What is it that distracts you from from wanting to serve him? Who are the people that push your buttons? Any of you have people that push your buttons? Don't show your hands. I know you do. Why do they push your buttons? Start trying to prayerfully understand this with the Lord's help. He wants to help you with your temptations because these are the things that are binding you and he wants to set the captives free. But it's not until you admit you got a problem that you can get some help with the solution and the Lord wants to help you. So where do you get caught and trapped? What circumstances bring a response from you that isn't what you would like for it to be? Use your temptations and your failures to help you to understand so that you can confess, pray, and grow in this time like you never have before. I've been doing this for 47 years now, and it's still two steps forward and one step back. But the thing is, this is how you grow in the Lord. You grow from your failures. When you fail, 
and you will. And you must say, oh, no, I don't even talk like that. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. Jesus knew you were going to mess up before you were ever born. That's why he went to the cross for you. He knew you were going to mess up. So don't let that distract you. When you fail, I want you to remember what happened to Peter. We talked a little bit about that already. Satan desired to sift him like wheat. Uh, you, Peter protested whatever said you, you know, whatever Jesus told him. Oh, you for the for the cockroach three times. You're going to have denied. Oh no, no way, Lord! I'll die first, and then after the third time that cock crowed in the third denial, his heart was broken. He failed three times, not the first time, and then get better the second time, not the third time. He failed. And he said that he wept. He was so disappointed in himself. But you see, Peter learned some things from his failure. First, he learned that he had a great fear of other people's opinion. He was scared to death that somebody might not approve of him. He was really worried of what other people might think. And he lied. He lied in order to keep a good opinion of himself. Now, he he understood that about himself. He knew where his growing edge was, you see. And then, you see, he also learned that he really wanted to please his Lord and that he wanted to do that more than he wanted to be liked by other people. And so he grew and did. uh, Now, tell me this. Was Peter any less God's child because he failed? No, he wasn't. Jesus still loved him. God still loved him. So he was no less a child of God. Was he any less loved by the Lord because he failed? No. Now then, how about you? This is what I want you to realize this morning. You may have messed up over and over and over again. You're still a child of God. You may have failed over and over again, but you're still his beloved. If you have children, you know how sometimes your children can terribly disappoint you, but they're still your children and you still love them. Well, the Lord still loves you. And yeah, he messed up. But he still had the opportunity to move ahead and please the Lord if he didn't let his failures cause him to draw away from the Lord. And so at the very end, we see Peter walking along the beach with the Lord and Peter saying, and Jesus saying, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Tend my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Tend my lambs. Take care of my sheep. This is what he says to you today. Even after you have failed, he asks this morning, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Then I have some things for you to do. And if you'd like to please me, just come on, let's go. 
let's get busy. Because you see, you are still his beloved child. And he's pleased with you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.